0: lonnie diane rich and i'm dr kelly jones and this is big strong
1: yes Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. Rising Strong by Dr. Brené Brown, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and Year
0: of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. We are most active on Twitter, so follow hashtag BigStrongYes for our discussion and announcements. You can follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at bsy at chipperish.com. Yes. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you get access to the amazing Big Strong Yes
1: chat room on Discord, where everyone hangs out and talks about what's going on and works through their stuff. And it's kind of incredible. Um, It's intimate, private to the Patreon supporters who go into that room, and you can go over 140 characters, which is always nice when you're talking about, you know, your big, deep
0: issues. So (laughs) join us
1: at (laughs) patreon.com slash chipperish.
0: Yes, and thank you for continuing to support the show online and for participating with us in all kind of ways. We love to see your comments and your tweets and your graphics. And the reviews that you're posting on the Apple Podcast app help us so much. It helps people find the show and it helps us promote the show. So if you like the show, please go and post a review for us and we would greatly appreciate it.
1: Yes, we do. Those reviews are amazing. And thank you guys so much for everybody who's actually gone and done that. Because I know it's kind of a pain in the butt, but it's really, really worth
0: it. (laughs) It is. But thank you.
1: (laughs) Yes. The reading we're discussing today is Big Magic Part 4, Persistence. Taking vows through Tristram Shandy Dives In. And next week's reading is Big Magic Part Four Persistence, Fear in High Heels, through lastly, this. Go to chiprish.com and search Big Strong Yes Schedule to find all the information about what we are reading and when. All right. So we usually start with our homework. We do start with our homework.
0: You want to jump into our homework? (laughs)
1: Sure. (laughs) My homework was to do some basic creative things. I was kind of like down to the the bottom of Maslow's Pyramid and just the basic things that I can do. (laughs) Um, And I, I have. I'm knitting, which has been really fun. Good. I finished a pair of socks for uh, for my youngest daughter, and now I'm working on a, a gloves, hat, and scarf set for myself for the winter, which I do every year at this time. I make a new set that I wear throughout the winter, and so I'm I'm really enjoying that. Um, and I'm trying to get kind of a little more downtime for that, because it's, it's really valuable for me to just kind of have some time where I'm not actively trying to do anything. And, and the knitting is really, really good for that. I've been knitting while watching iZombie. So that's been really fun. I've been catching up on that. Um, mm-hmm. Also a new book blew open for me this week, which was really Yay. exciting. Um, so I really want to get the old one off my plate and get that finished, but I'm going to be engaging in discovery and Kelly has been completely pivotal in helping me do the discovery on this book. So thank you very much, <laughs> Kelly. It's been really, it's so really much fun. fun. It's been fun kind of working it out. So, so that's kind of the creative stuff that I've been engaging with this week. And, and it's been, it's been really fun. It's, it's, this is the way that I've always worked. You know, I sit and I knit and I watch TV shows. And when I do that, like the, there's some kind of work going on in the background, you know, to open up that, that creativity. And, uh, and it was fun to kind of have a, a new book and a new world sort of present itself to me, you know, one of these, these little, you know, creative fairies that come and dance on your, shul- on your shoulders. So, and I'm pretty sure that this book is for me. I'm pretty Good. sure that this is not something I'm going to entertain for a while and then hand off to Ann Patchett. Um, it's very, <laughs>
0: very specific to me. Um, so how about you? How was your homework this week? So I did unpack some boxes and I did clear some decks, which is mm-hmm. great. Uh, we have a TV stand now. So Yay! Fantastic and the the piano that i bought will be here soon so, <laughs> super excited oh that's so cool i mean that. buying
1: a piano is no small thing you got to like hire people to move it in yeah. and all that stuff so that's exciting yep.
0: but i mean you know it's a second hand piano and i got it for a hundred bucks and i am ridiculously in love so it's just gonna be I, that's wonderful it's just gonna be crazy Yay! Um, so i'm excited Um, but the, the, the actual homework that I assigned myself to do frivolous play, I'm telling you every week, I just go back and laugh at myself. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Um, so I talked to my son about it and we ended up playing what was basically a version of beer pong on the Wii. And I do want full credit because I whooped his butt five games in a row. Hey, good for you. Yeah, but <laughs> that kind of play just really isn't me, Yeah, you know, and playing word games with him after dinner is fun for me. <laughs> like, funny group texts with friends is fun for me. Yeah. So I have just decided to stop trying to wrestle this to the ground, because I am never going to be silly, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I'm just not. But I love laughing with my friends, and I'm lucky enough to have friends who are as wickedly clever in the ways that I am wickedly clever. Yes. And they make me laugh every day. And that's a good kind of playful. Oh. So that's good. I'm glad you're having a good time with that. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it alone. Well, you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just great. And to, like, t- to continuously try to twist myself into something I'm not, it's just. Like I'm not doing it anymore. Like I'm just I right. am who I, no, I am, mean, and that's fun. really true. Like you need to do
1: things that are that are absolutely right for you and for who you are, and that match up with you.
0: And so you have to define your own sense of play. And speaking of defining, <laughs> 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 so last week Elizabeth Gilbert told me not to define my terms, <laughs> and <laughs> with all love and respect to Elizabeth Gilbert. That's just not how I roll. No, it is not. <laughs> so for me, for now, playful equals anything that evokes a sense of laughter. Oh, good. And I'm also throwing in the differentiation of two new words for the sheer love of rebellion. But we can talk about that in the reflections. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna yeah. be great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how All are right. your how are your reflections this week?
1: Oh well, my reflections. Um This week has been a week of being kind of lit up by a visit from this creative genius gremlin or whatever it is. So it's been fun to be in that space again, to be in that like really creative, fun space. I have to say, like, the moment that you get that inspiration and you start going into discovery, that for me is so much fun. And just when all the spaghetti is being thrown at the wall and anything could mm-hmm. stick, it's it's mm-hmm. really, really good. So I found myself like over the past week kind of inflating and deflating in what feels like an endlessly rotating cycle. <laughs> um, but part of the inflating is getting involved with this creative process again. It's like I, I start playing with the book and I start feeling all of that. And then I feel like this... This myself coming back, you know, and Good. then it deflates again because I have to deal with the trauma of, you know, my life. Um, you know, it's it's hard because I'm still nursing such a big injury, you mm. know, and I get all excited about everything and it's all fun and then I go flat again and it just feels like this really unsteady, you know, back and forth sort of roller coaster experience, which is not ordinary for me. Usually I'm fairly solid, fairly even. So I think that it'll be a good thing in the long run, you know, chasing this creativity, but it's so hard to, to maintain that state, you know, for any yeah. extended period of time. I go into this for a little while and I get really excited and then I go back into dealing with the trauma and everything that else that I've got to deal with. And, uh, and it's kind of tough and, you know, it's for the first time in my life, I'm understanding people who get hit really hard and just don't get back up because it is, it is so hard to push yourself back up, but engaging with the creative work has, has been doing that for me. And I think working with big magic at this point, um, is so valuable, you know, because it keeps me talking about this stuff and kind of discovering who I am as a writer. Like I haven't written that much, you know, in the past couple of years. And Mm -hmm. now I'm feeling like I just really want to write again. I've been doing a lot of other creative work. I've been doing podcasts and I've been doing, you know, vlogs and, and studying Buffy and doing Outlander and all this kind of stuff, which has been really, really fun. But I want to write again, and, and I'm excited about, about that idea about getting back into being a writer rather than kind of talking about writing, although that is something that I absolutely love too. Um, I want to balance that out a little bit more. So, so that's kind of been, you know, where I've been with this stuff for the past, you know, for the past week or so. How about you? How
0: have your reflections been? So I'm struggling with the differentiation of two terms. <laughs> yes, of course you are. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> And so in thinking about creativity and what it means to be a maker, especially in the way that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it, I'm starting to struggle with the difference between creating and performing. Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't make a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a knitter. (laughs) God knows I can't cook. Like, I'm not, um, I don't make a lot of stuff. So I do, I used to do a lot of photography. It's one thing I have stuck with to some degree. I do take a lot of, you know, different pictures and Mm -hmm. sometimes make some things out of them and and do some different keepsakes. Um, A few months ago, I made a beautiful blown glass paperweight at an event that was so much fun. But I'm not, like, it's not my natural go-to, you know, creative state, like, to be a maker. But in unpacking this house, like I've been going through photo albums. And so from like the history of little baby Kelly up through the time I became a mom is is a history of of performing. So there's, you know, playing piano and dancing and acting and and this this long history of different kind of performances. And now I think through teaching or crafting a lecture presenting, you know, now with this new world of podcasting. <laughs> and I wonder, is there a difference between creativity in the way that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it, and creative performance? So like, is creating an experience for an audience an act of creativity, even if it leaves nothing tangible behind? Mm, and what did you decide? I have no idea. This is why I'm asking my very smart friend who I'm podcasting with. <laughs> <laughs> there is no difference. It's, it's all creativity.
1: You know, it's all you are doing something like when you sit down at a piano and you play a song just for you, you know, it's like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, you know, does it, does it make a sound? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. You know, and, and the thing is that you're there to experience it. So when, you know, I mean, think about it, if you were talking to somebody who's a singer, Mm -hmm. when they sing a song, is that an act of creativity? Would you define that as an act of creativity?
0: I would define that for them, sure. (laughs) For them? See, this is the problem. The rules are not different (laughs) for you as they are for other
1: people. I know we always do that to ourselves. Both of us do it. I'm just as guilty as you. So, I mean, please understand I'm not pointing fingers here. Um, But, yeah, you know, when I write something, there's this book left behind or there's a Mm -hmm. blog post or there's a, you know, a a podcast or something, right? Um, But that's still creativity even if nobody read it i would still have created it i would still have the experience of creating it and when you sing when you dance you know um yes it is still an act of creativity any time that you put something into the world that wasn't there before that is an act of creativity so creativity i i think elizabeth gilbert because she talks about books because she's a writer so she's approaching this from that perspective. And that is, is very, very deeply woven into big magic. So it yeah. feels like, okay, well, this is only true if you're doing a writing or if you're doing a painting, if you're doing something that leaves something behind. Mm-hmm. But think about, I just want you to think about sometime in your life when you've gone to a performance, right? And it exists in that moment and nobody's recording it. It's just you in a live theater, right? You know, and you go to a performance. That is an act of creativity, you know, even though it's, it's gone when it's done, you know, it's done when it's done. It is still an act of creativity. So performance and creativity, I don't think that there is a division. I think it is all part of creativity. When you make a meal, you know, everybody eats it and then it's gone.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, it's
1: still an act of creativity when you garden and you grow a flower and then the flower, you cut it and you put it in a vase and then it dies and you throw it away. It's still an act of creativity.
0: Well, that makes me feel a lot better, actually. Well, I
1: think that it should. And, you know, you are making things. I mean, you're making podcasts. You know, I yeah, mean, it was, and I think, but then
0: in my head, I was like, "Okay, is that a tangible thing or is it a performance?" I don't know why I got stuck on this this week. Like, I have no idea why I did, but it like burred its little self in my head and would not let me go. Well, I think it's an interesting question. I think that
1: you've asked a really interesting question, um, but I, I still, I don't think that there is a difference because I think it is the act of creating. Mm-hmm. you know even if nobody else hears you even if you know you know in, in a couple yeah. of weeks when that piano is there and you play a song <laughs> and
0: god there help it. my neighbors oh, no i like be it because your definition says it is an act of creating and that creation can be knitting a pair of socks baking bread writing a book or creating a performance and that works for me yeah so, absolutely i yeah. think it
1: is i think it all applies fantastic All right, well, good. I'm glad we solved
0: that. (laughs) Well, now that you have solved my conundrum, do you want to jump into the reading? Yes, let's jump into the reading. All right. (laughs) So what did you think about this,
1: this overall, you know, section of the book?
0: So as much as I hate to say it, because you know how much I love Elizabeth Gilbert. This was not my favorite section of the book. Yeah, mine either. I struggled a little bit. I mean, there was there's good stuff in here, mm-hmm. but it just overall was not my favorite section.
1: Yeah, no, and actually the I've been talking about this one part of the book that I absolutely
0: hate and it's in this section. <laughs> so. And interestingly enough, uh-huh. Interestingly enough, my completely heathen heart is with you on this one
1: yeah yeah well we'll get to that we'll in get just there <laughs> a little bit
0: let's go ahead and start with the taking vows part okay um what did you think of that so i have never actually taken a vow in my entire life unless you wow. count the promise that i made to my son that i will always no matter what love him every day of my life and i no, was amazed you took a vow though
1: yeah, you, you took a vow when you had him. You said the yeah, next twenty years, the next eighteen years of your life, you were going to get him. You know, through high school and all of that, and you were going to be completely focused on that. I'm sorry, is that too personal? Shut up! No, no. Have... <laughs> because That's
0: I think fine. you did. You did well, take a vow. You took a vow. Okay, when you had you're that right. Kid. You're right. Yeah. I did, and I. And it's funny you say that because I. I do, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit it on the podcast. I do say that, um, mm-hmm. and that's something only a few of my very close friends know. I'm sorry, Now and everybody knows because I've told everybody. No, it's we don't okay. Have to, we can cut that out. No, it, it, it's actually really okay. Um, I say it as kind of a joke. Yeah. I usually say it as a deal that I made with the universe. Yes. But mm-hmm. I, I do think it is kind of a vow. Yeah. Um, that this kid was going to come first. Yeah. But I've never taken a formal vow. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess. Like, with a ceremony involved. Uh-huh. Um, so I was kind of amazed at her story of, of like, this sort of formal thing about taking writing vows. Yeah. Especially considering how young she was, because I did not have a sense of self. Yeah. You know, at that age. And I mm-hmm. sure as hell didn't have a sense of purpose. Yeah you know, at that age. And I'm not altogether sure that I have either now, (laughs) you know, like not that clearly. So I was, you know how, when she told the story of kissing Ann Patchett and you were kind of like, okay, I believe this is true, but I'd like a signed affidavit. Like I sort of feel this way. I'm like, I don't think she would lie to me, but I really, really, (laughs) like, really, really, yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of funny. What about you? What did you think of this section? Um,
1: I, I liked the idea of, of taking that kind of vow, where the vow is to yourself, to your work. I mean, this is mm-hmm. one of the things about Elizabeth Gilbert that I am, I am struck with throughout the run of this book, and that is always so foreign to me, and yet feels so right. Mm-hmm. This way that she just puts herself first you know this way that she looks at what it is that she wants to do and says this is what I'm dedicating myself to you know and so as you know a kid in her 20s took this vow to writing and to creativity you know I think she was
0: actually younger than that I think yeah no she was you
1: know she was really young when she when she did this and I love that idea Um, I love the idea like the idea of you know marrying yourself right Mm -hmm. you know that that you will pursue the things that that feed you and that are important to you Um, and I you know I like this idea of taking vows I've never taken vows as a writer Mm -hmm. you know. but I've I've lived as though I have. I think I've always come back to story. I, I I went to school, you know, to study television, radio, and film, you know, because I wanted to tell stories and I knew that I loved television, but I didn't really understand what it was that I wanted to do. And then I knew I didn't want to live in Los Angeles. And at that time, if you wanted to write movies, if you wanted to write TV, you had to live in LA. And so I was living elsewhere. And then eventually, I, I moved into novel writing because. It wasn't about the form for me. It was about the story. Like I took a, a, I went to a program that was about form. You know, television, radio, and film. I mean, mm-hmm. for God's sake, the name of the program is form. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the name of the program is form. It's all
1: about form, right? <laughs> you know, and I mean, I teach in that program now. You know, um, but it's, but it's never about form for me. It was always about story, mm-hmm. and it took me so long. To learn that. It took me until my 30s when I started writing novels because I wanted to tell stories, but I, I didn't want to be married God. to form. And novel writing was the form where I could do that without living in Los Angeles, without, you know, without relying on anybody else, you know, being able to do it by myself, that kind of thing. So I've come back to this particular work over and over again in a million different ways. And even though I didn't take those vows, I feel them. You know, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think it's interesting, too, that her vow includes kind of a vow of poverty, right? Yeah. You know, that like she's, you know, she'll do whatever job she has to do to to make the bills, but it doesn't matter. Just make enough to get through the day and be able to dedicate yourself to your writing. And it almost feels like religious in that way.
0: Did you feel that? Yeah. And I guess I saw it as more of a vow of practicality uh-huh. than necessarily poverty, Mm-hmm. But you know just more of like I will not rely on the creativity to pay the bills. Right. You know which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Um I think my brain is still going back to the the name of the form because like <laughs> you just completely blew my mind with that. Yeah. Because my undergraduate degree is in new media
1: and ah. and I'm
0: just like, "Oh my god, it's the same thing." Like right. it's just like I'm sorry, my brain just completely lit up and went Wow. (laughs) No, it's completely tied to form. And
1: so much of, I mean, this is part of a big part of the work that I've been doing, right? Because so much of storytelling, when you talk about storytelling, people talk about how to write a screenplay or how to write a novel or how to write Mm -hmm. a whatever as though the form is what matters. And it's not. It's the storytelling that matters. And so the narrative theory work I've been doing is is about transcending form. It's not about form. It's about what are the universal aspects of storytelling, regardless of form. And I'm trying to like... I probably shouldn't say this, but like, you know, I'm talking to the people who are doing the TRF program now and I'm like, you got to stop tying it to form because the form is <laughs> because television is not a thing anymore. It's, you know, it's episodic storytelling. And I'm like, you know, movies are not a thing anymore. Like, you know, like there's so many like because of the way that our, um, you know, our media has evolved and taken yeah. on so many different forms that it's time for us to start thinking about storytelling, right? you know, as a communicative, you know thing yeah. in and of itself regardless of form and what parts of storytelling are universal regardless of form and that's basically the essence of the work that i'm doing right now oh, i
0: love it and see now my brain takes that and goes back to vows yeah i'm like and then does the form of the vowel shape the vow because mine was a private thing, yeah, between me and the universe. It wasn't and until I just opened. The no, no, room, I mean, like there was no, no, I meant like there was no, <laughs> no witness to it, right? There was no ceremony, but to you it. were and, witness to it, right? And does that shape the form of the thing? Does it yeah. shape the form of the vow? And does it matter? And this is fascinating to me, and I just, I just love when my brain lights up like that. That's all. No, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think about it in in those terms
1: too. Like, is a vow you know, I mean, and I I think the answer to this is no, but like, you know, is it the witnesses that make the vow? You know, and I don't think that it is. I don't think it's, nobody needs to witness it. When you make a vow, when you make a promise, be it in front of, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of people, you know, in front of God on a Bible or whatever, when you make a vow, when you make a promise, it is, you know, it is the same. So when you made that promise, that was just as powerful as any vow that anybody else has ever taken. So I, I, you know, and, and when she made this promise, you know, this was private to her too, you know, when right. she made this decision that this is what
0: she was going to do. So but see, um, hearing you talk about it like that, it's just one of those moments where sometimes a friend holds up a mirror and shows you a part of yourself that you haven't seen. And it, mm-hmm. it sort of takes my breath away because I, I don't think I would have seen myself as someone who had done that. Yeah. And seeing that you see that in me, I, you know, I'm kind of like, well, damn. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Cause every, when you, whenever you've told me
1: about that, I've always seen it that way. I've always seen as you took a sacred vow to your son. When I you think, were like, 20 I think that's years kind of beautiful, old, which is just insane. You were so young, but you, you made this vow and what you did, In that time, to to put him first and to make a life for him, you know, I mean, it's astounding.
0: I've just never seen it like that before. You're impressive
1: as hell, kid. I gotta tell you,
0: this is gonna be the closest I'm gonna cry on this podcast. But I want to make (laughs) no, but I I just had never seen it like that before, and I think it's kind of lovely.
1: Yeah, it is lovely. It is lovely. All right, I'm going to walk away from that because I don't yes, want to we are you cry. moving to the I always next I feel topic. bad whenever, I mean, I cry all the time and whatever, but I feel bad when on I make you cry because to... I know what you hated.
0: No, on to learning. <laughs> on to learning. <laughs> <laughs> I liked
1: this part. I liked the, when she was talking about, you know, like she says on page 139, I had a boyfriend who was a musician and he practiced every day. He played scales. I wrote small fiction scenes. It was the same idea to keep your hand in your craft to stay close to it. And I think there is a value that for years I've been telling people um, to do novel engage, which is, you know, 20 minutes a day, right? Mm -hmm. You know, set that timer 20 minutes a day, you connect with your book and it will keep you connected with that material. And, you know, and I wish that I was as good at following that advice as I am at giving it because I think it's excellent advice. (laughs) You know, sometimes life gets in the way and sometimes that happens. But I think Mm -hmm. a little time dedicated to your craft every day, first of all, will develop your skills at whatever it is that you do. If you spend 20 minutes a day doing anything that is going to build up, your skill set is going to build up. And, you know, and this goes back to that Pomodoro method, you know, that we've talked about a number of times where, you know, you set the timer, and you, you know, you just go for that amount of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is that you have that you can give to your creative pursuits every day. I think that it's incredibly valuable. And I've seen so many creative people kind of come back to this idea of, you know, it's about taking a little bit of time every day rather than having hours and hours and hours to luxuriate, you know, in the, uh, in the thing. Um, And I thought that that was a really kind of nice concept. How did you feel about this part?
0: So I loved, first of all, I just loved the visual of two people who are in love, sitting in a room, each working on their craft, mm-hmm. you know, and one playing music and one writing. Like, I just thought yeah. that was gorgeous. Yeah. And I loved her story of going through the different stages of imitating different writers, mm-hmm. like, and especially of trying to write the South, <laughs> when she had oh. never even been to the South. <laughs> and I was like, oh, honey, bless your heart. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> like, her journey of slogging through that work to find her skill in her own voice. And it <laughs> reminded me, um, a few years ago, there was this website, and I don't know if it is still up or not. But mm-hmm. it was a "Who do I write like?" Oh. and you could um, <laughs> you could copy in a couple of paragraphs of your writing, and it was like a linguistic analysis um, oh, wow. program, and it would compare it against like big famous writers, and it would tell you who you write like. And so someone had posted it during NaNoWriMo one year, and so I did it for fun, and it told me I wrote, like, Stephen King. Ooh. And I was like, okay. And so then I posted something completely different, and it told me I wrote it, like, Stephen King. And I was like, okay. And so then I, I wrote something on purpose, completely different, and it told me I wrote, like, Stephen King. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not sure how valuable it right. is. So I was like, there is one damn author in this database, and his name is Stephen King. And his name but, is Stephen King, right. but, I just it was, but it was a fun exercise, like, trying to trick that database into giving me a different name, <laughs> even though it didn't work. <laughs> just kind of that oh, intentional God. imitation, you know. That's fascinating. Yeah. I want to yeah. see. I want to go and do that. Because I don't
1: think that you write like Stephen King. You write like Jocelyn Jackson.
0: Oh God, I wished. You do. <laughs> but it was it was just really funny. But there mm-hmm. there was some kind of linguistic, you know, programming behind it. Yeah. Which was actually probably the reason I went to it in the first place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was interesting. And I just I just liked her the storytelling in that section I thought was really nice.
1: I thought it was really nice too. And I like this idea of mimicking because you mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Like, we put so much of this. Stupid value on, like, you know, being completely original and never doing anything like anybody else has ever done before. Blah, blah. Right. Everything, everything you do creatively, you're, you're, taking something you know that somebody else has done and you're mimicking that and then you, that's how you find yeah. your own voice that's why I believe in the value of fan fiction I, when authors are like I don't want anybody writing fan fiction in my world and blah 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 you know um, I hate that mm-hmm. I hate that you know yeah. first of all nobody has ever written any fan fiction in any of my worlds and that's fine but if they did I would that love it. you know of that I know of I don't think so um, but I mean the value of fan fiction the value of mimicking the authors you know that you like and that you admire Mm -hmm. Um, that is how you learn your craft and it is okay it's not only okay it's essential essential that you do that so I
0: loved that and I see it almost bigger than that it's just like this wonderful generative thing
1: yeah because
0: so many of my favorite stories or retellings so many yeah. of my favorite songs are covers. Yeah. I mean, when the Indigo Girls sing Tangled Up in Blue and mm-hmm. they are covering Bob Dylan, y'all, my soul is on fire. Yeah. And if they had said, well, Dylan already did it. Right. Exactly. Then that song wouldn't exist.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so. so let's not do it. Right. You know, um, yeah, I, I feel like that is such and I see it so much. I mean, in my students who are young kids and I keep thinking, okay, when is this going to end? Like when, but they're all like, oh, you know, it's not completely original. Like, I don't care. It doesn't right. need to be original. It needs to be you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when you're young, like the first thing I ever wrote was when I was like 15, I mean, I wrote stuff like for school, like, you know, you get like assignments and stuff like that. But the first thing like, you know, was an, like an episode of Moonlighting, you know, cause I love the show Moonlighting. So I wrote oh, a scene yeah. for an episode of Moonlighting and, um, and it was me learning how to do this stuff and you can't learn how to do it without looking at the people that you admire mm-hmm. and, and doing something like that, you know? And I think that that's completely fine. There is nothing wrong with that. And I hate that it, it shuts down so many people before they start, I agree. you know, cause they're like, well, it needs to be complete and it needs to be this. It needs to be, it doesn't
0: need to be anything. Just do it, just do mm-hmm. it and see what it is absolutely and and if ideas are these you know wonderful little buzzing creative entities Mm -hmm. there can only be probably so many of them and they're going to keep revisiting us in new ways.
1: All right, so I mean you look at Shakespeare, like so many people have reimagined Shakespeare. They're taking Hamlet and they're putting it in like the 1940s, you know. There's a new way to look at everything and there are only so many stories that have been told and you know this is very specifically with regard to writing because I think writing is where this has the most deleterious effect. Mm -hmm. You know, people are, you know, people make you know, Boeuf Bourvignon, like the I didn't pronounce that correctly, but like Julia Child, like, you know, you follow a recipe by Julia Child and you're not like, well, I didn't make up a new recipe on my own, so it has no value. you know, you're like, I'm following a recipe because this is something that people have done and you do creative things with it and you add new spices and you add new things to it, but you have to start with the original recipe first. Right. And that's how you learn how to do those things. And I think that in writing, I think almost more than anything, maybe music does this too. Although music actually has this lovely, thing that's been going on with the sampling, right? Where right. some artist will sample somebody else's work and then bring something new to it. And I think that that is amazing. And I would love to see that, that kind of freedom embraced in writing as well, because so many writers shut themselves down so early in the process because they're afraid to mimic somebody else.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: But I think it's good. And I think it's, it's really, really valuable. So I, I liked the, the section on learning. Then we go into a caveat, Yep. Which I thought was a really interesting thing where she talks about this woman, Winifred, who found her passion for
0: Mesopotamian history (laughs) at the age of 80. And I loved that. Me too. Winifred sounds like the kind of woman I want to grow up to be like. Um, Oh yeah, I love this story. And I really loved Elizabeth Gilbert's description of of hearing her perspective. On page 145, she said, it was one of those moments where I could almost feel my perspective expanding as if my mind was being ratcheted open several notches and was now welcoming all sorts of new possibilities. And this is one of the best feelings I can ever experience. Yeah. It's different from the inspiration orgasm. And it <laughs> doesn't have the same intense power crackle, <laughs> but it is life-changing. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, it's like finding a new door in your house. That leads to a new room you never knew existed. Yeah. And the room is filled with awe and wonder designed just for you. And it's beckoning you in with open arms. And I think this is a gift we give each other when we live authentic lives and tell authentic stories. Because you never know what might reveal a new door for someone else. And we can accidentally open new doors for each other all the time. Yeah. oh, I love that. I love that metaphor. Oh, you made a metaphor. I made a metaphor. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved love Winifred. That. I loved the story. I
1: loved that, too. You know what I mean? The idea that it's never too late. You know, I mean, okay, I'm going to talk about the thing that I haven't been talking about, but, but like... You
0: are? I'm going to talk about the thing. Okay, the exciting so... exciting
1: thing that's going we, on.
0: We're going to have to call this, like, secret busters or something. This is right? going to be the, you know, like outing each other podcast <laughs> no i outed you and now i'm outing myself
1: um but basically what i'm doing now is i'm looking at uh, going into the phd program and i've been pursuing that and so i'm hoping okay. to be able to get in can i just happy
0: squeal over here happy
1: squeal i know you and your love of education it'll be you know but i was i was looking at it i'm like oh my god it'll be six years i'm 46 now i'll be 52 before matter. i finish and the thing is that i'm gonna be 52 anyway. Damn right. <laughs> like, why not be 52 and a doctor? Right? Yes.
0: Can I just can I just Can I just say? Yes. Yes! Aww. Yes! <laughs> I'm so happy and I have been dying. I have been dying for you to tell people.
1: I know. Well, I don't want to talk about it until I'm in the program, you know, because I I still have to apply for it. I still have to take the GRE, which I'm not even dealing with
0: yet. Um, But you know how excited it gets me when you put all these initials together. I know. (laughs) GRE and
1: PhD and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm going into the program. I've got to apply to it, but I've, I've spoken to the people, you know, in the program and they seem excited about my work and it seems like a good match. so you know we'll see how it goes I'm just I'm I'm pursuing that process now Mm -hmm. you know I'm working at a university I get remitted tuition and I just thought why not you know I've been doing this work I've been building narrative theory and I've been doing research I'm doing all this stuff but I don't know how to do it and I want to learn how to do it yeah you know because it's fucking fun it is, you know, and it's it's work that I've been doing anyway. So I might as well go ahead and get the degree for it. So that's what I'm working on right now. But you know, I mean, the only like, it's never too late to do something. and And so often people get to like our stage in life, right, where their kids are going off to college, you know, and like, what do they do? You know, they just kind of sit around and they have this house that they had for the kids and then they just kind of like do
0: their thing, whatever. (laughs) That is so not my plan. (laughs) I know, but the thing is that like
1: it it is a new freedom. You spend this time, dedicate, you make that vow, right? You dedicate that time to your kids. And then when your kids grow up, and they go out into the world like it opens up a whole space for your life where you can start and do things, you know, and I'm excited about that. So I'm, I'm looking at these things that I can do and I'm looking at these opportunities that I can take advantage of. And, you know, working at a university is wonderful because you get, you know, the tuition and they, they encourage, yeah. you know, that exploration. And so it's, it's very exciting. But I mean, I think the thing is, you know, the only question that you need to ask, Ask is are you alive? And if the answer is yes, then the answer to the question you're asking yourself, which is, should I do this thing? Is also yes, you know? <laughs> like no matter what, no matter what age you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, um, the starting of new things isn't just for youth. You know, um, yeah. you can do these things, and so you know, you look at Winifred, who in her eighties was like, "Hey, I'm into Mesopotamia," and she just went in and did this thing. Like, I love that.
0: I love you know, and I,
1: and who could ever say no to education, and and not even formal education. You know, just any kind of education, learning anything, whatever it is that you want to do, even if it's something that you've never done before. Like, the answer is yes. The answer to
0: learning is always yes.
1: The answer to learning is always yes. Absolutely. So, so anyway, that's just, you know, me. and and now if I don't get into the program, it's going to be, you know, really depressing. No, you just stop that
0: right now. I wish that you could see the smile that is currently on my face. (laughs) That's all that's all. and And wasn't why not?" like one of your potential tattoo? Yeah, why ideas not was one of
1: them Why you not? Know, I think, you know, the answer The answer is
0: yes. Just say yes. Just say yes a, to everything. I yeah. had a philosophy professor once who said the only two acceptable answers to why, mm-hmm. meaning like the whole shebang of everything in life, is why not mm-hmm. or because.) <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that. I think that's good. <laughs> All right. So that's my, my big thing that I'm working on right now. That's the next stage of my life thing that I'm going to dedicate myself to. So. Good.
0: So we'll get you started and then we'll figure mine out because I, I, I can't say that I have a plan. <laughs> uh, you don't need a
1: plan, though. No. You don't okay. need a plan. You just got to do stuff. You just got to say yes. Well, you went out and bought a piano. Yeah. I just knows. say Yes. <laughs> Whatever it is, just say yes. All right, so the next section is the empty bucket. The empty bucket. And what did you think about that?
0: So she really talked about, like, this was her way of going through her creative process so much that she learned to recognize and manage her creative patterns as, like, ways of working with her fear and anxiety, saying, like, oh, I remember this stage. This is when this happens, and this is how it felt. And it reminded me of learning deeply how to work through an SFD, so, like, oh, you know, yeah. way back to Rising Strong and our right. shitty first drafts, which have actually become, like, incredibly easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, I know what it feels like when I need to write one. I know what it feels like while I'm writing one. I know not to send them to the people that they are about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, like well, you've learned that much. I I haven't learned (laughs) that yet, but I'm working on it. I, you know, I know how I'm going to feel when I get it out. Mm -hmm. Like I know the process and I know what the process feels like. Um, And and there's a, there's power in that. So I think like if I could learn how to do that on the creative side as well, it would be incredibly helpful so I think it was interesting insight from her that she's learned her process that deeply. And she's learned sort of that emotional pattern that goes with it. So, How about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that this is, this is really like that, like
1: that whole thing I was talking about last week, like letting it run through you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, that you get to this point where you, you know, and she was talking about all the like various phases of her panic, her creative panic throughout the whole thing you know yeah. um, and, and so it's, it's she refers to it as a creative process and, and that's not how I see process because process is how you create something mm-hmm. but this is is like the cycle that she goes through the psychological cycle that she goes through at different stages of, of the creative process for her and I thought it was really nice that she sort of recognized what that was yeah you know that like okay so this is when I freak out about this thing it's okay, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Rather mm-hmm. than letting the fear and the anxiety grab a hold of you and control you and rather than, dear God, you know, like she said, fear sits in the back seat. It doesn't even get so much as to choose the radio station, right? right. Um, you know, that like not giving in to that fear, understanding, looking at the fear and saying, okay, I understand that this is something that I'm experiencing right now, but I will ride it out and it's going to be okay. And I can continue to create you know, through that. And I thought that that was a really valuable kind of thing. And then on page 146, she says, my single greatest expression of stubborn gladness has been the endurance of that trust.
0: Yeah, that was beautiful.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, just that that you trust yourself, that you trust the process, and that you know that even though you're feeling freaked out about this whole thing right now. You know, mm-hmm. like, like that moment before you publish the podcast, that moment no. before you uh,
0: put I the am book out so there. so learning that process.
1: <laughs> right. You know, that there's that moment where you're like, oh, Jesus, people are going to listen to this and I'm going to sound like an idiot. You know, mm-hmm. I've actually kind of gotten over that. <laughs> <laughs> <because> <laughs> I've been sounding like an idiot since all seven. So I'm, I'm really okay well, in it's, public. It's you know? funny
0: though, hearing her talk about that. I think I, I have gone from, you know, with the podcasting, like panic to where it's, it is starting to be fun. Although there, there is always that oh God, has it been fun? Has it been a panic for you this whole time? I'm no. so sorry. No, no, not at all. It was at <laughs> first. But but it, there's always that, oh, God, I can't believe I said that. But yeah. but it is it is fun, mm-hmm. you know, now. And, and I was so nervous at first that I didn't think it ever would be. But it really is.
1: Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I mean, the thing is, like, I can't even tell you how many people I've pulled into. I'm like, you're going to podcast <laughs> with me. Okay. Um, you know, and I've pulled people into it. And it, it always ends up being really fun. There's something about, like, I love being able to express this stuff and share it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, like, you know, I went into that program for television, radio, and film, but I mean, I went to a communication school that was about, figuring something out about creating something and sharing it and Mm -hmm. expressing it to other people you know which has been my life's work which has been so much about like it's about doing this and understanding it but then also expressing it and sharing it and there's something in me that is very driven to do that sharing and then I I drive other people into it
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, and there are many of us who are very glad that you have. <laughs> oh, well, thank
1: you. Um, but, you know, I mean, I know that it's it's hard. The sharing part is hard um, because you're putting yourself out it's there. It's vulnerability. You're in the arena. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's tough. But pushing yourself through that and and finding your way through to I've created this thing and now I'm going to move on to the next thing and now I'm going to do the next thing, you know, um, I think is is really valuable you know yeah. and just and just creating this stuff and putting it out there and then creating something else and putting something else out there and it goes back to that paradox from last week right you know take it seriously but don't take it
0: seriously yeah
1: you know no I really love the fact that
0: it can be fun it is fun yeah it is fun well I'm glad I'm sorry <laughs> I, know, I know I've stressed you out a lot with this no stuff. oh my god please I'm the one with all the this. St- the like audio stuff that's going to stress anybody out, but, oh, um, but it, it was interesting when we got into the shit sandwich section. Oh yeah. Um, on page 150, she said, what are you passionate enough about that you can endure the most disagreeable aspects of the work? Yeah. And I went, well, academics, there you go. right? <laughs> obviously um, to some extent photography, because, you know, I have endured horrible weather and tons of, you know, time waiting for good shots and mm-hmm. have pretty much done that consistently most of my life because I do love it. But I would put podcasting in that too because um if if, if it is possible to break, do it wrong, forget to plug in a mic. You know, I call it podcasting with boobs because I'm gonna right. knock that mic over at least once an episode. Like make a mistake, say something stupid, mispronounce a word, y'all if it can be done, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it is worth it because it genuinely is fun. Um, it is. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was just sort of really neat to sort of think about this in the context of that, you know, of that well, section. yeah, I mean
1: the shit sandwich I thought was, was really funny. I mean, this part always makes me laugh because she's right. You have to love the thing enough to stick through all the tough parts because creative endeavors are mostly tough parts. It's mostly the hard stuff. But then you get to do the thing and you get to put it out there and and see how people react to it and see what it does for them. Mm. I mean, it's... It's an incredibly rewarding thing to do, you know, and and I mean, whatever it is that you're creating, if you're creating, you know, incredible meals and you feed your family and it's it's uh, wonderful to be able to give them something that's that's nutritious and, and delicious and, you know, incredible and that you have this this experience where you're eating that dinner, you know, I mean, whatever it is that you're doing that's creative, I think the creative part of it, there's always that part where you're sharing it with other people. And, you know, there's always a thing like, what if it's no good? What if they don't like it? What if it's bad? You know, sometimes it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens. Like, sometimes everything is going to be bad. Um, But that shit sandwich of, you know, the work is bad or, you know, I'm not going to make any money at this or I'm going to get rejected a million times. Like, it's worth it. If it's not worth it to you, then that's not the creative endeavor for you. And maybe there's a different creative endeavor for you where the shit sandwich that comes with that thing is okay. Right. You know?
0: Well, and I think for me right now, it's more about staying dedicated to this discovery phase of creativity itself than like saying, okay, it's only writing or it's only the piano or it's only, you know, whatever. It's just, I'm going to do something every day that speaks to me in this way. Even if whatever I do that day sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like that's the point where I am with it right now.
1: But it'll be something creative. And the thing is that you do have you have so many different venues in which to be creative. Mm, it's because I know? have commitment issues. <laughs> no. It's because you're flirtatious. You're well, flirting. I, with I think everything. those are synonyms. <laughs> <laughs> Cool though. Like, I, you know, I mean, like the thing is, right? You know, look at the narrative and read it in a way that benefits you. Aww. You know, I like flirtatious care. Okay. Flirtatious I like it the, is you, flirting. You're <laughs> flirting with a bunch of different kinds of creativity. And you have been for so long so focused on, you know, on all the things that you need to do to keep that vow, you know, to your kid, right? Yeah. And now you're able to look at all of these different elements of creativity and engage with all of them. And I think that that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of fun too, actually. So, and I and I don't see really a need to pick one right yeah. now. Yeah. Mhm. So we're just kind of playing with all of them a little and no, we'll see it. how Flirt. it goes. <laughs> play the field, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> Did you just tell me to play the field? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Oh, God, Lonnie Dunn, Rich, I do love you. Oh, I love you too, Dr. Jones. So if there is one area, though, where I am steadfast, it is my day job. <laughs> oh,
1: the whole day job thing. Yeah, I know. I mean, this was actually a really interesting section for me because when she's talking about the day job, it, it seems like she's just addressing the regular paycheck, like mm-hmm. just whatever you got to do to get a paycheck to keep the lights on, you know, do what you got to do. And then you can do your creative thing. And I mean, the thing is, like, I quit my last full time job, uh, right before I had my second child who mm-hmm. was turning 16 on Thursday. So <laughs> (laughs) So that'll tell you how long it's been since I've had like a traditional full-time job. I have been working. I have been writing novels. I have been, you know, teaching writing. I have been building media companies. I've been like doing the podcasting and and all this kind of stuff and doing freelance work and and teaching part-time and all that. Like I've been doing a million different things basically to, you know, keep the lights on, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But I haven't worked a full-time job until just, you know, recently when I got this full-time job at the university. And for me, the revelation has been that there is a value to, you know, to obviously, you know, the money and the stability and the security is is amazing. And I love that. And it's wonderful knowing how much money I'm going to have at the end of the month, you know, that's yeah. really valuable. Um, but there's also something in having a daily schedule and having things to do that aren't about the particular brands of creativity that I choose to engage with. There's something about having that, that every day I go and I do this thing and it's, it's, it becomes almost a ritual every day. You get up at the same time and you go into work at the same time and you do this thing. And I, I would never have a schedule like that when I was working from home, you know, I just, every day was whatever it was. And, and that was great in a lot of ways, you know, but I, I really, I really see a value in the day job because while I'm doing all of that stuff, some of which, some of which in, in my day job is creative, but most of which isn't, it's task oriented. You know, I, I go in and I do this thing and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it really is building the creative energy in me. And I find that I have more energy and more creativity than I did when I just had the whole day you know, to, to dedicate to that, you know? Um, So I don't know. I mean, I've, I've found that to be my experience after having so much time where I was working for myself and, you know, building home businesses and all that stuff so I could be home for my kids, you know. Um, now I'm finding it to be a really interesting experience and very valuable in ways that go beyond just the paycheck. But you haven't had that luxury. You've been working full-time forever. <laughs> and
0: sometimes full-time and a half. Yes, <laughs> But on, on page 154, I loved how she said, this is a world, not a womb. Mm-hmm. So, like, don't try to hide and, like, fantasize about not working so you can only right. do creative things. Mm-hmm. But it would never in a million years dawn on me to quit my day job. Right. Um, <laughs> but I really appreciated her, like, earnest approach to the balance of providing for yourself yeah. and also providing for your creativity because it is not a thing that should be supporting you. Like, I it mean, is. It can. The yeah, very lucky if, if few. If you get lucky, but that's because of our society and our economy. Right. But but what it's for, like the purpose of it, is to nourish your spirit, not to yeah. nourish your bank account. And absolutely. You know, I just I thought that her her take on that was was really great to hear. And, yeah, you know, I liked just...
1: that. On page one fifty three, she says. There is a profound sense of honor to be found in looking after yourself and that honor will resonate powerfully in your work. It will make your work stronger. And I really, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I think she's right. I think that it does. And, you know, I mean, for me, there there are benefits beyond you know, just having the paycheck for me. There are benefits in that I have a community that I'm part of. When you're working home, when you're by yourself, when you're, you know, you've got all day just to lounge around and you know <laughs> do your creative stuff. Like for me, I, I I really am responding powerfully to having that structure in my day and in my life and in my week. And while I do feel you know, a bit overloaded and a bit overwhelmed. And I'm adding on, you know, a degree seeking (laughs) environment to that as well. Um, You know, it's, I like it. It's, it's good for me. And I feel the benefit of that. And I like working like that. I'm glad. So I don't know, like, even if I had the choice, you know, even if I had enough money from all of my creative pursuits that I could just quit my day job and not ever go back, I don't know that I would.
0: I'm glad it's working I think for you like I like that. it. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. So that moves us into the paint your ox part of it, <laughs> which I thought was really really interesting this idea of just because like every creative endeavor does not have to have a good justifiable reason for it. Yeah. Know? And I kind of I kind of liked that
0: approach. I did too. Um I loved the idea of the decorated ox. It was such yeah. a great visual but it was it was interesting for me because growing up in in times when money was very tight like there was very little decoration in my world yeah Uh, like I've never had a decorated bedroom like I've never had a painted bedroom my whole like never growing up as a kid Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the reasons that Christmas was so magical because all of these pretty lights and ornaments Mm -hmm. would become part of the landscape for a little while but I did not grow up in an environment of like visual creative celebration and it's just not a natural tendency that I have and I greatly admire people who do Mm -hmm. But I think like, despite of being raised sort of in the absence of creativity, I've always been called to it. And it's, it's really inspiring and helpful to learn these tools now because they're kind of giving me a framework that I can experience and then shape into a framework of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And on page 158, she said, the essential ingredients for creativity remain exactly the same for everybody. Courage, enchantment, permission, persistence, trust. And these elements are universally accessible, which does not mean that creative living is always easy. It merely means that creative living is always possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think that especially sort of in the disjuncture of talking about trying to support yourself with creativity, sort of the celebration of creativity, even in poverty, simply for the sake of being creative, I thought was a, a nice bookend to those two topics. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. When she was talking about Herman Melville, you yeah. know, he was bemoaning about how he can't work on
1: the whale book, you know, the way yeah. that he wants to. But I mean, when it comes right down to it, he got it done, you know? I mean, he wrote Moby Dick. Like, yeah. he made it happen. <laughs> and um, and I think that you, you can, I mean, you, you think about what the ideal environment or what you imagine the ideal environment for your creativity being, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing is that it's, it's, I don't think it is just sitting around and having all day to do nothing but create. I think that creativity comes from, you know, it's an energy that's sort of built up through the humdrum mundane activities of every day, you know? Um, and it's it's when you're doing that kind of stuff that's just like, you know, like what they what they say Like you always get the ideas while you're in the shower or driving, you know, while you driving <laughs> to work Exactly, but the, the it's when you're doing these kind of humdrum mundane Rote activities that your creativity sparks that's you're, and this your is brain's a, in
0: beta wave So yeah, you, can, you know, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's
1: one of these things that is a universal human experience because every human person is essentially creative, mm-hmm. you know, um Um, so, so I kind of, you know, I thought that was interesting. I like the Herman Melville stuff because even while he was whining and complaining that he didn't have the right environment, he still made that happen.
0: Well, and she said, you know, you may not have enough money. You may not have enough time. You may not have, you know, the environment that you want. You're always going to be lacking for something where your creativity is, is, you know, is concerned. And I think that's probably true because she did make a a good point that if Mm -hmm. money and time were the two biggest requirements, then the wealthiest people in the world would also be the most creative. And Lord knows, we've seen (laughs) that is not the case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that that was a very good take on the fact that you may not, what's the song? We can't always get what we want. But you might just get what you need. (laughs) Little rolling stones there for you people. Little rolling stones. (laughs) (laughs) My creativity philosophers.
1: Yep. That's right. There you go. All right. So that moves us into the part of the book that I hate. Yes. That I always have a problem with. Yes. So I'm going to let you handle this.
0: (laughs) All right. So I'm going to take this on. All right. Heathen that I am. Yes. So this section was called Have an Affair. And I don't like the idea of equating focused creative passion with a love affair. Right. Because she was being very specific about an, you know, an extramarital affair. Yeah. And while I don't really believe in soulmates or lifelong monogamy, I do believe in temporal monogamy if both parties in a relationship agree to it Mm -hmm. and are free to unagree to it. (laughs) And this seemed like a careless treatment of passion and love to me. And that is not sexy. So if you're going to focus intense, passionate pockets of time on something, it seems to me that it should be something you love freely and deeply. And it should be something that is yours and that loves you back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And whether or not you choose any, you know, to tell anyone else about it is irrelevant. Yeah. So I just... Especially coming from her, I thought that this was a careless treatment of something that may have just been trying to be metaphorical, but I particularly did not appreciate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, coming from my very recent experience, I found it incredibly difficult to listen to because I understand what she's getting at. Yeah. You know, like I understand that when there's something that you are this excited about, You know, you will find a way to get 20 minutes to spend time with it, you know, Um, but but doing that in the metaphor of an extramarital affair, which comes with the essential betrayal of the person that you are cheating on and having had that experience recently. Yeah. You know, um, for me, it was, it was very difficult. Like I skipped this part in the book. I don't listen to it, mm-hmm. reading through it. I went through it as quickly as possible and I didn't deal with it. Um, like I got what she was going for. Yeah. You know, I understood what she was, what the point that she was making and I appreciated the point that she was making, but I found it an incredibly hurtful thing to read yeah. because it's just like oh no the affair is so romantic and it's so wonderful when your husband right. gaslights you and lies to you about this woman that he's having this affair with thank you so much that is so romantic you know yeah. um and and I know that like my experience you know is my experience and whatever but it just it, on, it honestly is so personally hurtful to me that I can't read it
0: well and as your friend I didn't like it either but yeah I, I don't <laughs> I don't like the idea of it being a stolen affair yeah. like why can't it just be for the love of the thing like right just like, spend uh, time with the thing you love <laughs> why did she have to term it in the terms of because when you're falling in love
1: with somebody right and you're not cheating on anybody it's the same thing right why find can't it, the right. time why could it just be fall, fall in love, in love and as opposed not to have an, have an affair i
0: agree um yeah because like for me i would say i have had a dedicated monogamous lifelong affair with reading Like I have always made time for books. I have lost sleep for books. I have Mm -hmm. stolen time for books. I have carried them everywhere I've gone. I have used money for them when it made no sense to. I have chosen reading over parties. I have read at parties, you know, and I read multiple books at the same time, but I don't sneak around because they all know the score. So like, Right, exactly, <laughs> but it doesn't require the betrayal of somebody <laughs> exactly. who trusts and loves so, you. Yes, but I was, um, I was yeah. very much with you on this. Um, yeah. Even though my, my worldviews on marriage don't line up, like I still, I did not think that was the metaphor that was needed Right, but the thing
1: is that, like, regardless of how you feel about marriage, you know, and marriage, you know, I I give marriage a severe side eye as well. (laughs) I always have, even though I've been married twice, I've always given it a severe side eye because it never really made sense to me. But the thing is that that when you're married. Right. You know, right. You you don't betray that person. You deal with that thing. And then if you decide that you want to go off and you don't want to be married anymore, you have to deal with the fact that you have made this commitment to that person. And you at least tell them the truth. Right. You know, but like the, the betrayal that is required, and and just all of that with an affair, like, I don't find the romanticization of that to be a really helpful metaphor.
0: No, I don't either. And and as someone who is I guess a, a deeply romantic person, I don't like false romanization of anything. Yeah. You know, and that's just what this felt like. And it stood out as is like a jarring note. Yeah. In the book because she doesn't do this anywhere else. No. Like, and I mean I get it like I get what she's trying to say I
1: get the metaphor she's going for but she's completely forgetting all of the connotations involved with that yeah
0: which again is, is what makes it such a jarring note because it's yeah and it's it's it just, just
1: incredibly painful for me to listen
0: to that part of yeah. it well I'm glad yeah. you skipped it well I did skip it and I went straight to
1: Tristram Shandy Chimes In all
0: right well I'm gonna let you <laughs> handle this because I had a hard time with this one
1: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the thing about this is that she was talking about, you know, this this guy who, when he wanted to write, you know, when he needed the inspiration, would dandy himself up, you know, <laughs> would shave and shower and put on a fresh suit and be all clean and nice smelling and then go into his creativity that way. And I can tell you that... Um, I've never really done that. Like my creativity comes to me in sweatpants and hair in a ponytail. <laughs> and, and I woke up like this being not a good thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I kind of thought there was something, uh, not necessarily something to the, the idea of let's get all pretty or the creative genius won't want anything with us. Yeah. But the ritual. Mm -hmm. You know, the ritual of whatever it is, like you can make a ritual out of anything, lighting a particular candle or, you know, playing particular music or, you know, being in a particular space or whatever. You can make a ritual out of anything. And I think it was the ritual of it that to me, that spoke to me about this part. What did you get from it?
0: So I like the idea of dolling up for yourself more than for your creativity Right. But there's still a difference between dressing up and actually feeling pretty. Yeah. And that's an area where I still struggle. But it never hurts to dab on perfume and let my hair fall down in long waves and wear (laughs) lipstick. And I do that sometimes because sometimes I'm a girly girl. All right. But if I do it, it's going to be for me and it is not going to be for some creativity, you know. Demon.
1: No, I like that. <laughs> I, like that. I mean for me like it, you know this idea of getting dolled up and everything is 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 great but what I read into it was more that it was about having a ritual yeah that calls your creativity right
0: and, and you maybe know, so. and I think that's good yeah maybe yeah. and I and I you know with candles or with other things I mm-hmm. have not ever thought about getting dressed up as part of a ritual so that mm-hmm. that is interesting to think about
1: yeah I mean I think that that's how I read it okay. because You have a more generous reading
0: of it than I do, so we will go with yours.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, because otherwise it just seems silly.
0: It does. I mean, it seems a
1: little silly to get dolled up for it because I got to tell you, like most of my books were written, you know, either at, at a time of day, like first thing in the morning. I get up at like four in the morning and write before the kids got up and needed to go to school or whatever, or I'd wait until they went to bed at night. And then I would write then and, you know, and I was never at my prettiest or best smelling, you know, <laughs> at that point. Um, and the creativity always managed to come and hang out with me. And I don't think the creativity cares what you look like. But I feel like there's something about treating the creativity as though it is a special thing. Yeah. You know, doing something special for the creativity.
0: All I know um, is, if I got up at four o'clock in the morning and put on <laughs> lipstick, creativity damn well better come kiss me square on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to go to that kind of stuff, I mean, right. really. <laughs> So, you know, there was a lot of good in this section. I think maybe we just had one bad part that threw us out because we had a lot of good stuff. No, there's a
1: lot of good stuff here.
0: What was your big idea? What was your aha moment for this?
1: God, I think for me it was the day job. And now that we're talking about Tristram Shandy, Uh I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the ritual.
0: I love that. Because a day job really is a ritual. It is. And you have been getting dolled up and dressed up. And and I I love that you're doing that.
1: I have. And the thing is that, like, I actually enjoy it, you know, Mm -hmm. for years because I've been working at home and I've been like, you know, sweatpants and no makeup and hair in a ponytail and all this kind of stuff. But I started working. And when I started working, I was like, all right, if I'm going to go in and be around people, I'm going to be like presentable, you know, I'm going to try to look professional. And I started, I bought a bunch of dresses, Mm -hmm. which is something I've never really worn. I've always been like a jeans and a t-shirt kind of girl, you know? Um, And I started wearing these dresses to work and I really like wearing the dresses. I like the feel of it. And that's also really incredibly comfortable. (laughs) It's just a a dress, you know, and you have these flowy (laughs) skirts that all, you know, and, and. And so, you know, every day I get up and I do my makeup and I do my hair and I like the ritual of it. I like the ritual of making my tea and drinking it in the car while I'm driving to work Mm -hmm. and, you know, and listening to podcasts and whatever. There's a ritual to driving to work every day. There's a ritual to, and there's something about like the ritual element of a daily job that I think has been incredibly valuable to me because I I believe very strongly in ritual. I really do. But unless I'm forced to, (laughs) I won't do it, you know? Um, if I have to put on hair and makeup and do it for the job, like I like doing it. I actually do, you know, I actually enjoy the process of it. Um, but I won't do it unless, you know, I'm forced to by like the daily grind. So there's something about the daily grind that has that element of ritual to it that I find really valuable. I love
0: it. So I, love I don't know. So that, that was kind so of the well. thing
1: that I, that stuck with me, my aha moment. What about you?
0: I'm glad. So it's ironic because I just, you know, have to be rebellious within myself mm-hmm. because my favorite quote came from my least favorite section, but I am going <laughs> to, I am going to disjuncture the hell out of this. So all right on page 161, she said, even if you only have 15 minutes a day in a stairwell alone with your creativity, take it, go hide in that stairwell and make out with your art. And I <laughs> love the quote because I am a shallow, shallow woman. And it made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the idea of bringing this kind of focused passion to a stolen amount of time, mm-hmm. but not in the context of an affair. Right. So mm-hmm. it's instead it's going to be a passionate amount of focused time in a stairwell with a dedicated love that can change <laughs> as I see fit, where both parties are aware of what's going on. Yeah. But I had to take this big idea out of context in order to have the aha woo-woo moment with it.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, I think that's really, really good.
0: Yeah. So what was your strong challenge? What did you resist? Oh, well, the well whole yeah. Thing, <laughs> I
1: think, yeah. I hated that. I just, yeah. I, I hated that so
0: much. I just, I can't even tell you how hurtful it was. You remember that scene in Dead Poet Society when Robin Williams tells the students to just rip that page out of their book? Yeah. I give you permission. <laughs> just rip it just out of the book. Rip it um,
1: out. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't engage with that. As much as I appreciated the idea behind it. Yeah. It just it it threw me out of it so much and yeah. was so like it felt so personally hurtful to yeah. have to read that. I kind of think you should rip um, it out and maybe. Yeah, set it on that fire. I just had a, I had a problem with that. So what about you? What was your strong challenge?
0: Well, this is hilarious because I wrote this before we went off script. <laughs> Here's what I'm gonna read this, okay? So you can laugh at me because yes. usually I laugh at myself the week after we get to do it early this week. I said, "I think I resisted the vows <laughs> because I can't ever imagine myself taking them." <laughs> oh, so I honey. think I think you've tap danced over my strong challenge oh, this I'm week. Sorry, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it's 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 interesting though. Like the things you don't see.
0: Yeah. So and and I guess like while we're in, you know, we're just doing this. I'm gonna explain it to people because we didn't actually explain to everybody what it was. (laughs) Oh right. So yeah. So, um. So when my son was born, and you're calling it a vow, I'm calling it a deal with the universe. So the deal was basically because I have incredibly bad taste in men, and because (laughs) his father was very abusive that I decided that I was not going to date until this child was grown. Mm-hmm. And this child is now grown. <laughs> yep. So we're going to leave it there for now. <laughs> there may be very f- interesting future podcast episodes. I happening. think there
1: will be. Maybe. I
0: think there. you're going through this whole blossoming
1: right now. I mean, the kids are dating.
0: However, if we have listeners who know how to write the damn description headline thing for a dating app. Y'all, please holler at me because I don't know how this works. I bet
1: we have listeners who would love to woo you. Oh my
0: God! <laughs> Lottie <dying> Rich.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, single men out there, you know, Kelly's available.
0: God, Kelly's face is red now. Oh, thank I'm sorry. you. Sorry. All much. right, we'll move on.
1: <laughs> so let's go to the yes. What is your action for this week?
0: Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a new camera. Yay! And I am so damn excited. Because I haven't had one like this in a long time. Like this is not the camera on my phone. Mm-hmm. This is a real camera. <gasps> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So I am going to learn how to use the damn thing. Um I use I usually always have one when we moved from Georgia to Missouri. I sold mine. So it's been Aww. A few years and I just cannot wait to get my hands on it. So my week will be learning all the dials and buttons and I will probably be texting you very annoying pictures of trees and you're going to be like Oh, I can't wait. What to the see hell? Them. I don't care. And I'm going to be like, Aww. "But this was f-stop 5 and this one's f-stop 7." And you're going to be like, "Kelly, please for the love of God, go watch no, Buffy." No, I love that. <laughs> I love that
1: stuff. No, I love photography. And I've never really done it. I took a photography class in high school, but I've never actually done photography. But I have a camera that I use. It's a video camera for like, you know, my stuff for Chiprish. And I've been wanting to go out and take pictures too. So when we get together next we're going to get our cameras and we're going to go out and take pictures yes
0: that will be but so much I want fun. you to
1: send me all that stuff and tell me about the f-stops and all the <laughs> things you do because I love that geek out <laughs> yay no I love that I think that's fantastic what
0: about you what's your homework this week
1: I'm going to Pomodoro. I find a half hour every day, you know, just to to work on these books. I, I want to finish the one that I'm in drafting with, mm-hmm. and I want to work on the discovery for the new one. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so tired once I've done all the things that I have to do in the average day. But part of why I'm so tired is because so much of my energy is going into this, like, seemingly endless healing process and oh, it feels no, like baby. i'm not healing and i'm not making any progress i'm just constantly putting the energy into it and i keep thinking like when i have that energy back when i've healed enough that i don't have to put so much of every day just into trying to get through it you know um having that that time and that energy to to spend time with my with my work and with my creativity and with these books you know, I'm really looking forward to that. And so that's kind of the thing that I want to do. I okay, want to Pomodoro <laughs> it and spend
0: time in the book. You thinking that you have made no progress. If you could see what I see. Oh, my oh, God. baby. It's like you've run 20 miles on a marathon. And you, you're still looking and going, God, I wish I had walked a mile. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no, no it idea. It feels because it still
1: hurts every day it's so much pain it's so much difficulty and it's just like going through that every day that it's still so hard um you know I find just exhausting but I think about like all the energy that goes into that and if I had that energy I know to put into these other things you know I mean how incredible would that be so I'm kind of looking forward to when the healing is done you know and I can move on and I can actually put that energy into other things
0: yes it is going to be amazing
1: yeah I think so alright so that brings us to our closing quote which I chose um, and, uh, and I took it from Robin Williams who, um, who I have adored for so many years and I think it's just was one of the most incredible people that we were ever lucky enough to have on the planet absolutely um, and one of the things that he said was you're only given a little spark of madness you mustn't lose
0: it Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com chipperish. Thanks, y'all.